Hello and welcome to Nobody's Perfect, where we acknowledge not all of our thoughts and strategies are the right ones all the time, so we look for ways to improve upon any of our misguided methods that we might use from time to time. Now, successful recruiting and hiring of top talent is at the heart of success within an organization, but we continue to hear about issues in terms of finding the right fits, whether it be from a skills standpoint or otherwise. And part of that may be due to a transition in work, the workforce, employment, uh, sort of that that aspect of it all. Now, joining us today from uh, California is Lou Adler, founder and CEO of the Adler Group, a training and consulting firm, really helping companies find that top talent. Um, he's Again, he's joining us from the West Coast to discuss some of these trends in the area. Lou, thanks a lot for coming on today. Hey, Tim, happy to be here. Thank you. I guess first and foremost, when we're looking at this sort of area of hiring, recruiting, what are the maybe the, the trends, the big changes that are coming in the near future, or maybe we're in the middle of that? What, what sort of do you see as that broad scope? Well, Tim, you know, actually, you started, I know you asked me the question a little while ago. I was starting to think about this in some depth. When I really look at all the trends, I see some what I'll call some good news and some bad news. Okay. The bad news is lots of the trends are not dramatically different than they were 10, 15, 20 years ago. They're just reinvented in another face. Sure. What we're trying to do now is hire people at scale, but they're targeting a, a different market, and maybe the scale is bigger, but I think they're just trying to do the same thing faster. So I'd say that's one trend that I'm not sure is positive. There's another trend of there are some fundamental things that companies are doing differently now. They're recognizing that just doing things the old way faster isn't necessarily a great thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you look at that, I mean, is that is that all because of technology? Is it just because people say, you know, we, time is money, we don't have time to to do this sort of thing, we don't, we can't look in depth? I mean, what do you what do you really see as the reason for that that sort of shift? I guess I think it clearly is. I'll go back twenty years ago when the internet really started coming together and they started posting job boards. Well, then all of a sudden, the hidden job market was no longer hidden. All of a sudden, everybody could find jobs. Mm-hmm. It was just posted in the weekend newspaper. And if you didn't see it, then you wouldn't see it. So now they're all the time in real time. So now you've got all these candidates seeing all these jobs. They now apply to the jobs. So now companies invested in, okay, how do we eliminate candidates who are not strong? So a lot of the technology is, hey, let's weed out the weaker candidates. Mm-hmm. Candidates have these agents now that can apply. So I see a lot of investment. I would almost say two-thirds to 75% is, hey, let's eliminate the people we don't want to hire. Hmm. There's another group of people that says, hey, let's, how do we attract the best people whom we do want to hire, which is a fundamentally different business process. Attracting the best is different than weeding out the weak. And yet I still see a lot of emphasis, and I get calls every day, hey, would you look up my new technology? Uh, would you evaluate this? Would you be on our advisory board? And I, I, don't, I ignore the stuff of doing bad stuff faster. <laughs> I'm interested in what's going to happen. You know, how can we actually attract better people in a more efficient and a more considerate manner? Now, I think a little bit along those lines, and I mean, I've seen this elsewhere. I know you had mentioned in an article I had seen um, from you as well, but this idea of, of shifting to a um, category-based hiring in terms of um, what, what a company is looking for as opposed to these job requisitions or, or your traditional job descriptions. Do you see this as, a, as some sort of shift? Is this, is this more what you're talking about in terms of um, looking to hire talent versus weeding out the, the weaker talent? I mean, where, where does that come into play, this differentiation between category-based and, and job requisitions? I don't know if I'd call it category-based, but okay. it's certainly fundamental. But just think about a traditional skills-based job description. It lists skills, experience, industry background, academic background, 
and this mixing and matching goes on up front. Right. Candidates have a perfect fit, they get hired. But that's one job. But what if you have a candidate who's a diverse candidate, a returning military vet, someone who's a high potential candidate with a little bit of skills, that person's going to miss the filter. So, I mean, you've, you've kind of prevented the actual people you want to hire by using a traditional job description, listing skills. It's a needle in a haystack. And basically, it's going after the best person applies, not the best person available. So there is a lot of technology being developed. Certainly, LinkedIn is a key leader in that technology, although CareerBuilder has stuff. I'm not, so I know just because I'm familiar with those two. Have things that start broadening the marketplace. How do you build a talent community of like-minded people? How do you develop a network of people? I like I tend to like LinkedIn because it's not because it's got 200 million people there, but it's because they're connected. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of recruiters trying to leverage their employee referral programs, recruit, external recruiters trying to leverage networking, who knows somebody. Uh, so they're focused on, hey, how do we build this networking concept? Now, quite frankly, that was no different than how recruiters went 20 years ago. Sure. Now you can do it in 24 hours versus <laughs> 20 years ago. It took a month to get the same level of people. So I think that's where I see it is a focus on the 80, and it really this is about the statistic, of fully employed people, only 15% are actively looking. So that means 85% you have to reach out. And a lot of the technology is how do you reach out to that 85% who could be interested in talking about a job but aren't willing to apply to a job? So I see that's the big shift I would see. You call that category maybe, but... It's slightly different terms. Now, you mentioned about, you know, trying to find, the, you know, especially traditionally organization trying to find that, that perfect match. And they, they list all these different things that, um, in theory, you need to perform this job. But then there's also the other side of it that you sort of mentioned, somebody maybe having more diverse skills, having versatility. Is that seen as, as more important now when you're talking about maybe smaller, um, you know, smaller amounts of employees in a company and, and being able to sort of get your hands on different things? I and mean, where does that versatility or flexibility for somebody come into play with, with something like this? Let me suggest, and I there's a lot of questions there, Tim, so they're all good <laughs> questions. If anybody's ever heard of anything I've done, let me just make it perfectly clear. I hate job descriptions. Okay. They're a waste of time. They preclude good people from getting hired for a variety of reasons. However, you do need something to replace it. The something that I do is called a performance-based job description. So I ask hiring managers, hey, what do you need this person to accomplish? Right. Now, let's not focus on the job description, which the skills is really a person description. Let's focus on the work. So I like to get that defined. And then the objective is, hey, I'll advertise, hey, we need people who can launch a new product and uh, take on a territory in the Northeast and increase sales by 15%. So <laughs> I'm very focused on outcomes as opposed to skills. Now, my, the, the idea is, hey, if they can do this work, uh, they certainly have the skills needed. you got to prove they can do the work. But So I'm not really giving up on performance. I'm giving up on skills. And when you think about it, and I'm getting to your answer, when you think about it, We promote people internally into bigger jobs based on their performance, but we hire people from the outside based on their experience. Hmm. My contention is, why don't we hire people from the outside based on their performance? Now, that is some of the technology I've seen is how do you validate a person's performance? How do you ask them to prepare their performance? So it's the idea of, hey, let's match on performance. That way I can take someone who is a junior military or JMO and, uh, and, and work in a logistics project in Afghanistan, I can put them in a logistics project in the U.S. in some kind of distribution organization. To me, they're matching comparable skills. So it's that comparability to me that's very, very important as I see a trend of importance. That's, to me, how 
you accomplish those two objectives. Now, I'm not quite sure, Tim, if I answered your question at all, but that was the answer I'm going to give. No, no, that definitely does fit in there in terms of uh, in terms of the idea of skill and, and performance. I, I think that definitely fits. Sort of along those same lines, you know, when we talk to different people, um, either on the radio show or just sort of in our day-to-day, um, you know, the idea of culture and personality sort of come about as well. Is that a big consideration, even when you're looking at performance-wise, as far as finding that fit from a personality standpoint or, or fitting into that culture of, of an employment place of employment? 100%. And I have a, a formula, the short formula for hiring success is ability to do the work in comparison to the real fit to the job, which is the manager, the culture, and then the manager's style in the actual job times motivation squared. So it's ability to do the work in terms of circumstances of the work, that drives motivation and that equals success. So even if you get someone who can perform well, if they don't fit with the manager, the job itself, that motivates you to do the work, and they don't fit with the culture, they'll be a failure. Now, the big issue that I would say if I was going to take the second part of that is the two big factors there are the manager's leadership style. Hmm. Some managers are micromanagers. Some are very independent. Some are our coaches. Some of our delegators. Some of our trainers. So when I look at taking an assignment as a recruiter, as I want to understand the flexibility and the breadth of scope of the manager. Can that person manage a wide variety of people? When I'm interviewing a candidate, I want to find out, hey, can this candidate deal with a lot of different managers or are they more successful with a different style of manager? So sure. I want to certainly align those two. When I'm trying to fit for the job, I'm trying, hey, what, what motivates this person to excel and is that what I need to, is that the area of performance? So that's a clear key measure. From a cultural standpoint, the thing I'm mo- the primary driver of culture is the rate of change of the organization. A big bureaucracy that's been around for a lot of years, even if it's a well-managed company, is totally different than a company in the startup phase. Mm-hmm. So where that company is on the light corporate life cycle determines is the dominant criteria for culture. So yeah, you got to fit. You got to take that person, assess the person in terms of, hey, is this person capable and motivated to do this work? Can they do it for this manager? And can they do it with that culture? All essential components of making the right decision to hire the right person. And that's why I don't like skills, because they don't do any of that stuff. They're just <laughs> totally oblivious to that. Sure. And I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but you know, I, I, I'm intrigued by this idea of, you know, okay, what kind of a manager do we have for, you know, that's going to look over this person or, or, you know, lead this person in theory? I guess let's say you had a, a manager that was a, sort of a micromanager and really liked to have their hands on things. I mean, are you then looking for a specific type of candidate? to fill a, a position that would be, you know, that would be a direct report for them? Absolutely. I okay. want someone who is willing to take direction, who's very structured in his or her environment, uh, is dependent on that. It's a very personal story to me because I left corporate America to become a recruiter many, many years ago. I, was doing, I love corporate America. I was doing real well. I was very independent, hands-off, don't mind in planning, but, hey, if I screwed up, I should be fired. I have no problem take, doing that. I had a boss who was a micromanager. Mm. Uh, and he came in every Thursday. He was a group president, and boy, I hated Thursdays. <laughs> I just, I mean, I just hate. I can think now. It's thirty-five years ago. I still get aggravated. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think so. I take that personally, but I've also seen managers that are very hands-off and just say, "Hey, Tim, here's what you need done. Get it done. See me in two weeks." Sure. Well, that person's got to be. A uh, person working with that kind of manager has got to be able to run with it, uh, figure out what needs to be done, not need a lot of direction, uh, have a very internal valuation system. That says, okay, I'm doing it right, don't need uh, direction. There's other people who are in between. Uh, so when I look for a person, you, I want to make sure that there's this extreme of management, the person better fit with it. The ideal is managers who are flexible to deal with all kinds of people, depending on the circumstances, and subordinates who can deal with all kinds of managers. But 
there are there's some degree of flexibility and breadth there, but the reality is you got to get that fit right. I mean, I've seen more people underperform, good people underperform because of, I would say the number one reason is man- lack of managerial fit. The second one is lack of cultural fit. The third one is, hey, I didn't know I don't want to do that kind of work. That's not the work you told me because you didn't tell them what the work was. Sure. When you hire on skills, it's problematic if the person's going to do the work. It's, I mean, I can do that work. I don't want to do it. <laughs> so I didn't know I didn't know how to get that job done in six months and with half the resources. You didn't tell me that. And so all those issues come into play. That's why the idea of a performance-based job description is, and defining all those environmental issues are so critical to getting the hiring decision correct. I know another aspect that we keep coming across in, in sort of our research and, and the people we speak with, um, you know, to talk about and the aging workforce or shifting workforce in terms of, you know, it could be demographically or generational. You, you think about maybe the philosophy that different um, potential employees have in terms of what they're looking for in a job or work-life balance, that sort of thing. Is technology keeping up with that sort of change? Is it is it more about the employers that need to, to make a shift in their thinking? What's sort of your take on that with, an, you know, sort of the generational side of it, the aging side of it, and also just demographically how, you know, people can move around and are spread out? I guess, is the issue more technological or is it on the employers making those adjustments? Well, I think it's on both, quite frankly, Tim. I mean, when you think about it, I think we've made changing jobs easier. Mm-hmm. So when the internet came around, as I said, I was with a recruiter last week. I don't know where I was, but I was talking with a recruiter. So we used to have a hidden job market and hidden cadenate market. If I had a job and I was working on an assignment as a recruiter, I very, nobody else knew about it. It was just me and my company. If I had a couple of good candidates, that was I had I had those candidates. They weren't. I mean, it was hard for them to find the right job. I think technology has actually had a negative effect on that. All of a sudden, candidates are visible. You can get uh, anybody you want. There's, millions and millions of resumes and 200 million people on LinkedIn and every people on LinkedIn know of enough people to find anybody you need to. So I think in some way we've made mobility easier and I think we've made our individual organizations less successful. Uh, and I think when we really look at it, what I really see is that there's a group of 15 or 20 percent of the population who is constantly changing jobs working on these projects. Mm-hmm. So they work on staff-level projects. you got another 80% who are actually going in, work, initially working on staff-level projects to get promoted to managers, to get promoted to directors, to get promoted to VPs. That's a different group of people. So all of a sudden, you've bifurcated the population to say, okay, I'm a project person, and I think technology has enabled some of that. I don't think human nature has changed. I don't think when I talk to 25-year-olds or 35-year-olds, they're not different people. They're not Human nature didn't evolve rapidly in 10 years. I think technology has had a deleterious effect on this whole thing. Now we're just managing all the millions of pieces of data and trying to mixing them and matching them and making it very impersonal. So uh, I don't know, again, that's my general feeling. I don't know if I answered your question, but I don't know that it's good or bad. It is, it is what it is, and I think it's had some effects. I don't know what I think the issue is. Is it a cause or an effect? And I think uh, some of the mobility we have and some of the cultural differences we have between generations are caused by this, I don't think the people, when you talk to them individually and what they want, their desires, their motivations, they're the same people. I talk to a 25-year-old people person today, they're the same as a 25-year-old person 20 years ago, mm-hmm. who's now 45. Same aspirations, but now the circumstances of how they look for jobs, get jobs, all that stuff has changed. I could go on for hours on that topic. <laughs> no, I could t- no, that's a great thing. I mean, that's what we want from our guests. We want, we want that passion. We want that, uh, you know, clearly you care about this subject and, and have a lot of experience with it. Um, as we sort of look to wrap up a little bit in terms of, 
you know, this this idea of the trends in terms of recruiting and hiring, that sort of thing. And, and you know, again, you've talked about the basing it on performance more so than skills. And um, I guess what is your overall take in terms of what would your really your pitch be to that hiring manager, to that uh, recruiter, um, you know, to, to the HR personnel who's helping out in this regard in terms of finding talent? What, what's really your strongest play to them in terms of this is where we are or this is where we're headed and you need to make these adjustments if you really want to find and hire that best talent? Well, I would say this, and I'll go back. I was working last year about this time. I got a call from the president of a company in Russia. He was the CEO of a gaming company. He said, hey, Lou, I'm going to be in Los Angeles. I was uh, head of business development. She called me, uh, spoke perfect English. I'm going to be uh, president of the company. He's going to be in Southern California next week. Would you have time to meet him up at LAX, the airport in Los Angeles? I said, happy to do it. So I meet this person, uh, and he says, Lou, I read your book, High With Your Head. And it says there, uh, and I believe this to be true, that if you want to hire the best person, it's the responsibility of the hiring manager. So if hiring number is number one for every hiring manager, shouldn't hiring managers be judged on the quality of the people they hire? I almost hugged the guy. He was also <laughs> 29 years old. Just remarkable. So if you ask me, the advice is, yeah, recruiters can do a lot. But if you're a hiring manager, it's your responsibility to hire the best person. Don't delegate it. Make sure your recruiting HR team are partners with you. But there's every single research project from Gallup's Q12 to First Break All the Rules to Google's Project Oxygen. I mean, there's been hundreds of research projects that say the number one driver of employee performance is clarifying expectations up front. So if hiring managers aren't willing to clarify expectations up front and uh, use a default this job description that doesn't define the work, it's problematic if they're going to hire anybody. If they're not rewarded or uh, at least measured on their performance on hiring people, it, the whole thing falls apart. So to me, it's hey, if you want the one single thing you can do is make a hiring manager responsible for the quality of the people they hire. And I go back to my first management job. Literally, my first management job was I was 26, 25 or 26 years old. I was re-sent re off or I transferred to Michigan as a manager of financial planning. I was doing this big project. My boss calls me up and says, Lou, you got to get over to University of Michigan. we got to hire people. I said, Chuck, I can't do it. I've got to get this report. We're meeting the president tomorrow the first time. He said, get your butt over here. We'll, get, we'll figure out how to get the job done. There's nothing more important to your success than hiring great people. We didn't get back till 10 o'clock that night from Ann Arbor, University of Michigan. We did hire three of these people. We took all out to dinner. We did hire them eventually. We didn't get done with a report, I, literally a handwritten report. It was my first presentation to the group president, so critical report, and it was handwritten. <laughs> I felt like junk. He said, why is it handwritten? As a president of a company, I went on to be a chairman of a major Fortune 50 company. I said, Chuck said hiring great people is more important. The president looked at me and said, you're right. It's a great lesson learned at 25. It's a great lesson everyone should learn, but unfortunately, they don't know it. Hiring great people is the most important thing a manager can do. They should be measured against that. Sorry, Tim, that was a long story, but <laughs> to me, that's well, the no, best I advice I can Definitely. The, the takeaway at the end, I think that's, uh, you know, I think that tells the whole story there. And uh, unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap things up here on Nobody's Perfect, but I definitely think people will be, be able to take plenty away here from this conversation in terms of you know, adjusting one's thinking and, and, and really just the importance, as you said, of really finding and hiring that top talent and, and using different methods that maybe aren't working or haven't been working in the past. Once again, our guest has been Lou Adler, founder and CEO of The Adler Group. 
Lou, uh, where can people find out more about you and your company? And also, uh, you mentioned a book that you authored. Yeah, so I, the best way to do it is if you if you uh, just Google, well, I have to go to Amazon and look for the, a new book. It just came out 30 days ago, which discovers all the stuff I just mentioned here. The Essential Guide for Hiring and Getting Hired. The Essential Guide for Hiring and Getting Hired. You can Google me, Lou Adler, LinkedIn. You'll be that's probably the best way to find who I am. But the book is really written to hiring managers, recruiters, HR leaders, and candidates as well. So that was a hard book to write to try to put all of this and make sure everybody had the same rules and the same visibility and how they play the hiring game to win. And that's what it's about. That's I guess that probably the best way to hire me. Hey, Tim, Tim, thanks for inviting me. This was fun. No, thank you. We definitely appreciate your uh, your expertise and, and definitely your passion and perspective on this. We do appreciate it. Of course, we uh, also want to thank you, the listeners, as well. So give us a, give us a message in just an email form at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Uh, again, that's ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. If you do have any comments or suggestions for any of our shows here on localjobnetwork.com radio. Once again, I am your host, Tim Yuma. Remember, nobody's perfect, so please watch your step. Watch your step.